Welcome to this Dealer's Edge online training program featuring Brook Samples with a workshop on how to turn your dealership's balance sheet profits into hard cash. Brooke Samples is president of Profit Blueprints, a dealership management advisory service, and I'm Mike Bowers with Dealer's Edge. If you've ever taken a basic accounting course, you know that there are three reports that comprise a business's financial statements. The income statement, that is, how have we done over a specific period of time? The balance sheet, what does the business look like at one point in time? And the sources and uses of funds statement, which is, tells you where did our money come from and where did it go? There's a tendency in most businesses, and especially in car dealerships, to go right to the income statement to see how we're doing in achieving our goals with regard to gross profits, net profits, and expense controls. But today we want to focus on the balance sheet. The balance sheet also has a good story to tell, if only we know what to look for. A strong balance sheet can help your store get lower interest rates on borrowing, make it easier to gain factory approval to acquire new dealerships, or help fetch a higher price if you're trying to sell a dealership. <clears throat> Our workshop leader today, Brooke Samples from Profit Blueprints, will show us how the balance sheet is really a roadmap to where the dealership's profits went especially if they didn't seem to add anything to the store's cash position. Today we'll learn what to do if working capital drops below the recommended level and how to improve your net cash position. Brooke will show us how to compare our balance sheet to industry standards, historical trends, and top performing dealer data. We'll review some commonly applied ratios and what they mean to you, your banks, and the OEMs. And Brooke will explain how to create a custom doc sheet to monitor your asset liability accounts and track and reduce your frozen capital. Brooks' company, Profit Blueprints, gives her the advantage of reviewing lots of dealership financial reports and records every month with the goal of identifying actionable items that can have a significant impact on a dealer's bottom line. We want to make sure that it's sellable and it's relevant to our market. That is the cash side of this webinar, how to make sure we freeze up that cash, unfreeze the cash, and calculate these. At the end of this, we'll talk about tracking it because that's the real critical is watching and monitoring these. Mike, are there any questions before we go into the next yes. segment? Yeah, let's let's take a couple. Uh, the first question that came in was, "What did you mean by frozen assets?" But I think you've you've covered that now. That's uh, excess inventory, excess receivables. Uh, any any asset account that I guess is bigger than it should be, uh, and not uh, above your target, whatever you right. feel is right. right. Okay, so next question was on our dealership financial statement. Um, we sometimes show a negative cash balance, uh, and that's we know that's because the management company sweeps money out of our. Our accounts now. Is it right to have a negative balance or a zero balance, or is, is that is that good for us? <laughs> it depends if you needed money. If the, if the cash, if they're going to give you back money, if the management company would give you back money, I don't. I would be very leery. Here's what happens, and this happened to me when I was in a dealership where there were two dealerships, and one was very profitable, and the other one to suck the daylights out of me and cash. And every day I had to spend 20 to 30% of my time running around, getting 
money, cash collected, sell cars, et cetera, et cetera, just to babysit a dealership that was you know, bleeding money versus spending the time with the dealership that was doing a good job. So if you're able to run the business on a day-to-day basis, and you should have enough cash to cover those expenses so that you can pay off vehicles, when, you know, we don't want to be out of trust, so we want to have enough cash. But if, if they easily, okay, here, you need this, fine, then I'm not so worried. If you're spending a lot of time running the cash contracts, making sure to sell cars, taking costs to the auction, selling only to people who have cash to buy from you, then that's stressful on your operation. And, I, you know, in my, in my opinion, you know, you're losing valuable time just chasing money. And I've been there, so I, I know how stressful that is. But if, if, if it's not an issue, then I, I don't care what it looks like on the, the balance sheet. All right. Uh, next question. Um, when it comes to collecting on receivables, some of our worst customers are our own employees and managers. Uh, can you recommend a good policy on uh, extending credit to employees? I don't know. I'm not a policy of NO, but um, it really, you're not a bank. And, and that's why I mentioned on those open working process parts, because I've seen dealerships where those actually got rolled off and the, de- the dealer never even knew that somebody had taken advantage of them. As the policy either should be your payoff and your next paycheck. You know, if they want to buy something that's larger than if you offer service credit cards or you, you know, find them a loan someplace if it's large, but, you know, the next paycheck or the second next, within one month should be your policy. And if you have a policy, you know, really, how many places allow you to charge stuff at your business? Um, and I don't know. I'm pretty sure Apple's employees don't go and charge stuff, but they've got credit cards. Um, so I would, you know, that's, that's one of those things that it's got to be from the top up. Here's our policy. Pay it off on your next paycheck or take out a credit card like everybody else does. Okay. Uh, on warranty receivables. Uh, somebody once said, said to me that if he said, if, if Honda hasn't paid a warranty claim in 30 days, it means they will never pay. Um, and I don't know if, if that's accurate, but at some point on warranty receivables, there's an indication that the factory is not going to pay those claims. At what point do you write those off? I write, well, a lot of dealerships write them off after 60 days, and that's just, you know, they collect it, they collect it. I do like anything I write off. I do like to have, and see, I think you go back to one of my other webinars on, uh, not expense control, but on employee theft. I like to keep track of everything I've written off. And I still want to keep tracking it, but I don't, either that or reserve for writing it off. But for the same way, here's your t- deadline. If you, if you can't get this paid by then, then it's gone. Take, suck it up. And we're going to talk a little bit about when not to suck it up. But, you know, just take the loss, learn from it, and answer the question, how in the world did this happen? How did we let this slip through? Oh, guess what? We didn't close that ticket on time. Oh, guess what? We didn't do this. So that's one of my pet peeves when I hear people, well, you had to write off warranties. I'm like, but, but you shouldn't have. That should not have happened. So. Okay. Uh, and one more question before we get back into the workshop. <clears throat> this one's okay. on used, car- used cars. Um, there's an age-old battle with dealerships about used car valuations. The accounting department identifies water water in the cars, 
while the used car manager always has an excuse or a story about why a particular unit is special and has to be treated differently. Uh, any suggestions about how to how to referee that or deal with that? <laughs> that that's been going on for forever and a day, and I and I love that because nowadays we have a lot of tools that I didn't have, whatever, not even ten years ago, from your your reports from outside companies that tell you what the vehicle should be selling for, to tell you what you know selling in your market. If I go to the internet and I see that we are so ahead, we can't even begin to get out of that vehicle. I said it a real firm policy as far as this is it. And this is the bottom line as far as the number of days. And I know those used car managers can fall in love with those vehicles. But what I like to see is they fall in love with them because they bought them. Do they like to, do they fall in love with them because they, you know, traded it in? And we're going to cover that at the end because that is one of the things that, you know, I work constantly with used car managers who say, you know, we're going to sell this. Well, if it was such a great deal, then we should have sold it week one. If it was such a fabulous car. So you know, having a firm policy on that, written policy, here's what we have to do at day 30. Here's how we start getting rid of them. And I know they love them, the cars. But, you know, I pull up the auction reports and say, okay, it's only worth this. We write it down and move on. We sell it. We move on. If you know if you're going to take a loss, see if you can retail it for that loss instead of trying to make that large profit. But it doesn't. It's taking up space in your in, in your lot. So, well, the bottom line is we are going to cover some of this used car information at the end and put a policy in place and stick to it, just like the employee receivables. You know, they're not the ones who have their money invested in your business. The only people who have the money invested in the business are the dealers and the banks. Those are the people who should set the rules and go from there. Let's see here. Just before we went back into, we came back into this section, you mentioned something about inventory, used car inventory write-downs. Uh, how does that work? And is there a way those write-downs can be used as an incentive to get the used car manager to either to unload the car and wholesale it or... Or start getting well, more aggressive. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you have a car, you know you're $1,000 too high in. And I, it obviously, it depends on the pay plan. So if their pay plan is paid on gross, and then that, that write-down goes directly to gross, they've, they've taken the hit. It's not going to cost them anything to wholesale it at that $1,000 because you've written it down. And you can you know, decide, that to me, after 60 days, if, just like you would evaluate what you're going to try to retail it for, you need to see where you are in that car. If your policy is no car over 60 days old, and you say, okay, it's only worth X, might try one more week to retail it for X, but that has got to find a new home because it's taking up valuable space. It goes back to frozen capital. It's sitting here wasting time and money that we could turn it. And if we had time, I would, I would give you the, how important turn is on your vehicle department. But I, you know, I used to have a, part, a, excuse me, a wholesale manager whom I did not trust, any vehicle over 30 days, his pay plan was dinged for $50. And I never had a vehicle over 30 days, but I know there was still something going on. I still didn't trust him. I, I could not figure out enough ways to keep him honest, but he, he worked it out himself. Got, got himself arrested. But anyway, neither here nor there. Next question. Okay. Um, what... What expenses 
uh, do you consider to be overhead expenses? Well, I would, you know, every financial statement has their own definition. So if I said, here's what I, you know, to me, it's the rent, it's the property taxes, utilities, but at the same point telling other financial statements, move those up and down. So I would, you have to yield to, you know, whatever your, what your financial statement says, because I'm not the authority on your manufacturer. And, you know, it comes into people's pay plans, and that's another thing. You can decide whatever you want it to decide. Okay. Um, we know that having accurate doc sheets is important. Uh, do you have any suggestions for how we can get the doc sheet out on time every day uh, and keep it accurate? I, I guess I'm, are we, the only thing that really should be a, the challenge should be the deals. And your payables, I mean, your parts and servants close every day. So those should be on there accurately. I And body shop tickets are the are challenge. It's really in how quickly you can get those deals into the office, which to me is crazy because the faster we get the deals in the office, the faster we can get paid, the faster we can pay off, the less floor plan interest we're paying. But it goes, again, it goes up to the head. It's like, okay, what deals are ready? If you have deals that have been out there for three or four days, What's the holdup? Um, you know, the general manager or owner needs to be on those. Then accounting needs to be responsible for getting those po processed. I mean, to me, I, I've, I've been very confused on when people say, well, our doc's not accurate. Well, we know parts and service is accurate because that happens every day. Sales department's the real challenge and posting our payable. Once you get ahead or get on top of it, it really should not be a challenge, but we, we like the docs to be accurate and timely. Goes back to the financial statement. You can't do anything with bad information. Okay. Um, all right. Let's. Uh, all right. We have we have one of those body shops you mentioned that loses money. Uh, we only lose a little bit every month, and our our dealer doesn't want to close the body shop because he says it, it at least helps him cover some of his overhead costs. What do you think of that? Well, here's what I have found. For the dealerships who have closed, and these will be small body shops. If it's a large body shop, then that's maybe a different story. But these are small body shops that's next to impossible. If you only have four or five productive people, you're never going to make it work. What I have found is that that space Service department typically can use it unless you're way over built in service, but lots of times service department is looking for some space. One particular dealership in Texas, they turned their body shop into an accessory installation shop and made huge money compared to what the body shop was doing. So I would just look at it as far as what can I do with this space? I can sell coffee and make more money than what I'm doing right now type mentality as far as thinking about it. Yes, it's, a nice, it's nice to be able to sell those parts, but if you siphon off the sales to a local one and say, hey, you got to buy your parts for here. I mean, there's a lot of solutions. You can you know, downsize it to here. Here's a paint booth and a combination man, and we're just going to do our little bit of internal work, but we're going to use the rest of the space for a service department or for something that's not losing us money. I've just, I've just seen it when they've closed those body shops that lose money. The dealership has come out ahead. Okay, this is, it is a hard decision for some dealers to make, though. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, I know. It, it, there's no doubt about it. It's a hard yeah. one. You might be able right. to you know, cash from selling your, you know, the paint booth and, and such, but, you know, if you're a Ford and you spend all that money on aluminum, there you go. It's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough thing. But that, keep in mind, it's sucking money out of your, your bank. Uh, and thank you, Buck, and thank you for the good questions. They were all good yeah. questions that everybody comes across all the time. So. Okay. All right. Uh, and, and with that, I'm Mike Bowers with Dealer's Edge. Uh, we hope you can join us again next week, next Thursday. I believe we have a workshop uh, on fixed operations and how to improve your service department. I hope you can join us.